What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach, Bruce Eckfeld, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Brian Kurtz. He is founder and CEO of Titans Marketing. We're going to talk to him about his experience in helping businesses figure out how to effectively market, how to basically develop their clients, develop their customers uh, in an effective way. Uh, Brian's got a lot of different experience with different companies. So we're going to have an interesting conversation about sort of the different strategies and and different marketing techniques at at different levels. Brian is uh, connected through uh, camera and Harold, who, I, who has been on the program recently, or actually it was probably a couple episodes ago, uh, but I always love to talk to folks who know other guests that we've had on the program. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to grow and scale your service-based company. Obviously, the marketing side is key. Marketing service companies is a bit of a challenge. I always say they're easy to start, hard to scale. So hopefully we can develop some insights, some nuggets of value for folks that they can apply to their business. With that, Brian, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. And uh, that is interesting because I reached out to you and I saw you posted your interview or Cameron posted it and I thought it was really interesting. And then Cameron and I are in Strategic Coach together, which mm-hmm. is Dan Sullivan's group. And I just know that, you know, he has such a great outlook on business and the, the idea of the second in charge and all of that. And I've written about that as well. You know, who is your rainmaker? You know, if yeah. you're, the, you're the entrepreneur, who's the second in charge that can not only run the company, but maybe take over the company or maybe buy the company Mm -hmm. from you or whatever. And so it's a really good topic. And then I realized that I should reach out to you and talk about, you know, some other tangent tangential things that link into that. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you for being on. Why don't we start with a little bit of your background? I know you've had you've done a couple of different things professionally, but just kind of walk us through the story. How, how have you gotten to what you're doing today with Titans? What was the other groups? What are the other organizations? Give us a little bit of the professional background. Yeah, I mean, it's really, only, I mean, I basically had two careers. I had a 34-year career running the marketing for a, an iconic direct marketing publisher called Boardroom Inc. We published all kinds of newsletters. The big one was Bottom Line Personal, which was got to a, a million subscribers at one point. But you know, you're you're you got a million subscribers, you don't sell it on the newsstand, you've got you know no advertising. So it's like the most unknown million circulation newsletter <laughs> ever. Yeah. And so marketing to me was always, you know, I always used to say marketing isn't everything, it's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, if you've got a mission, vision, something you want to share with the world that we wanted to, and Marty Edelston was the founder of the company in 72. Mm-hmm. I got there in 81. 
We built the business. We took it from like 5 million to 150 million with books and other newsletters, but no advertising and not, you know, you never had that, that revenue stream. And so that's why for us, marketing was everything. But then I realized very quickly that marketing for anybody, if you have a mission, vision, something you want to share with the world, you know, why not share it with millions instead of dozens? And, but even in a service-based business, when you have, you know, you have, let's say you're a, a dentist or you mm-hmm. you own a store or whatever you know you have an HVAC business and you have a, a set group of customers and you get them by referral you get them you know any way you can but there's always a way to grow that and scale it and so even for any business I think marketing is just you know the ultimate and so I, I've had the experience of I helped grow a boardroom we did mostly direct mail in the early days mm-hmm. we got online later on and it was a great great proving ground for every possible media that I wanted to test. I, I sometimes say I never met a medium I didn't like. <laughs> and But then again, you know, uh, advertising on the underneath uh, yogurt lids and on ATM receipts were only a good idea at the time. Yeah, those were those were pretty awful. But, you know, I always <laughs> figure out, you know, where's the audience? How do I get to them? How can I message them in that in that environment, whether it's on Facebook or direct mail or mm-hmm. print or anywhere, you know, you have to, you have to hit them with a message that appeals to them where they're sitting, where they're reading it, where they're, you know, playing the game of being a prospect or, or, and I, I'm a very giving marketer too. I, I like to give value. I like to extend value. And that was, you know, that was my history. I mean, I got all of that a lot of that in 34 years. And then when I left boardroom, um, I was an equity partner. I, Mm -hmm. I decided to just leave and I could have retired, but I didn't want to. And what I wanted to do is follow one of my mentors, Jay Abraham, who says, you know, if you've done it, you have an obligation to teach it. Yeah. And so I became a direct marketing educator of sorts. I wrote a book early on the advertising solution. I have a recent book called over deliver. And I, I've, read some classic marketing and copywriting books and all kinds of stuff to help the next generation get to a new level better than my level. I mean, I'm not saying I want them to be as good as me. I want them to be better than me. Yeah. And then I um, I have two mastermind groups. One is a live group. We were talking about that before we started today. Yeah. Uh, one is a live group, meets three times a year, high-end, you know, big, sophisticated marketers. And then I have a great new group called Titans Accelerator, where I do monthly calls and I give them a Facebook group to interact in. And, and that's sort of a virtual mastermind. And it's funny because, you know, I launched it in January and then and it, then it became the perfect group for COVID yeah. before COVID. Yeah, you were strategic <laughs> so, without even knowing it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I always, always know I wanted that because the idea, and I, we were talking about this too, because live yeah. events, not only the cost, but it's difficult. You know, it's yeah. a lot of work and takes a lot out of you. And so the, but the virtual, what I've done is because I've been home and um, I've went, I just over delivered on it. So mm-hmm. now we went from weekly calls to, to I mean, uh, monthly calls to I'm doing weekly calls now and bringing mm-hmm. in experts from the industry to help people through COVID, but then also post COVID. I mean, you know, the world's yeah. the world's not going to end yeah. and there's a lot of great marketing that we can do going forward. And I'd say all of the things that I do in my masterminds now is all about the why. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's like I never met a medium I didn't like, but I never met something that I didn't want to learn about. So the watts are a watt is Facebook, a watt is Amazon, a watt is direct mail, a mm-hmm. watt is is any kind of advertising. And then once I can get all the watts to them, I bring in speakers. To, I had one today with them on 
text marketing, how, how you use texting mm-hmm. in your marketing. So I bring all of those watts. And then as far as finding the who's, I've been in the business for 40 years. So I'm not saying I'm, I know everybody, but in, in direct marketing, I know almost everybody. Yeah. And if I don't, I'm one phone call away. So I can get them the who that can give them more information. And then it becomes the how. And whether they want to do it themselves or they want to do it with somebody or they want to just farm it out, mm-hmm. I can give them recommendations on that too. So I'm actually a, I'm a what, who, and how business in that order. Yeah. I'm giving them a what, I'm going to try to give them a who, and then we talk about the how. Yeah. And like I've, got, yeah, I've got like you know 200 companies in my two masterminds that I'm just trying to help every day with their marketing. And it's it's just been very gratifying that I actually was paying attention during my first 34 <laughs> years and I'm able to share stuff that's useful. And that's a great, that's a great feeling. And yeah. I also, but I also believe that you never should be the smartest person in the room. So while I'm teaching, I'm also a, a student all the time. Yeah. So I'm in mastermind groups that teach all sorts of state-of-the-art online marketing that I may not be an expert in, but I want to be an expert in. So I sit in, I learn about it. If I can't teach it myself, I get the person who I learned it from to come speak to my masterminds. So that's, you know, that's kind of the the game plan. And it's, like it. it's a really fun place. It's I like a really it. fun place. To so two questions for me just kind of, uh, I, I think, help set up the conversation. One is sort of defining marketing. And we I think a, a lot of companies kind of get confused or they get, it gets complicated, you know, in terms of defining what, when am I marketing? When am I selling? And how do you kind of define or distinguish between these two activities? And from a company kind of strategy point of view, when does a company really need to develop out a marketing strategy versus a, just an overall sales strategy? Yeah, it's a good it's a good distinction. I mean, I had the privilege of speaking internationally the last few years. So I've been to Paris to speak. I've been to Hungary to speak. Uh, I've been to Italy. I've been to the Netherlands. I've been to Germany. And every country is a little more advanced than others. But, you know, you look at a country like Hungary, mm-hmm. who is, you know, they were communist until 1989. Yeah. So, to, to go to a conference of Hungarian entrepreneurs, you know, that sounds like an oxymoron, but <laughs> it's not because they're trying to develop their entrepreneurial yeah. skills. Yeah. So what I, when I went to that, that station, I think I start that one was like, is marketing evil is what I said. Cause they, mm. you know, a lot of the perception of marketing or selling yeah. is, is that, you know, you're reaching into the prospects wallet or their pocket and you're going to grab their money and you're going to grab more money and you're going to do it deceitfully or yeah. and of course yeah. I'm, I'm playing the ugly american to them so i uh-huh. can't i, I don't want to let them know that i want to let them know not that i'm just a good guy but i market congruently i you market congruently with who you are what you represent and you can do that aggressively or you can do it less aggressively but you need to market and so i actually had a slide at that presentation that was marketing versus selling mm-hmm. and selling you know straight you know selling's got the connotation of you take the you take the prospect you give it to a telephone operator that's in a boiler room and they're selling 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 mm-hmm. and that gets a bad rap marketing to me is the uh, is the push it's sort of like it's not the pull of but it's the push it's sort of like you know you can you can sort of in marketing, you can fish without bait, for instance. You can mm. be on a lake and you don't have to throw your rod in the water with a hook and bait. You can just shine a spotlight over the water and the fish are watching your spotlight. You're giving value. You're giving 
content and it's beautiful on the internet because you you can give the content for free. Yeah. So that to me is more about marketing than it is about selling. You can be in marketing and still have, you know, a hook and, and bait as well. But then when you bring them into the boat, as opposed to them jumping in the boat themselves, you have to be, you have to care for them, you know, customer service and fulfillment, which is chapter seven of my book, mm-hmm. or maybe it's, and <laughs> I basically start the chapter with customer service and fulfillment are marketing functions. You know, it's about the long game. It's about yeah. keeping your customers for the long time. So that's marketing versus selling. And then I go a step further because it's, it's marketing versus direct marketing and direct marketing is measurable marketing so that anything that, and that's where I usually get their attention. If it's, even if it's a hungry. Mm-hmm. Or even if it's in Italy, because I say, you know, you, you can sell or you can market, you know, with a lot of value add advertising, but if you're not going to measure it and the numbers don't lie, so you can love an ad and if it doesn't produce results, whether through a, whatever the call to action is, whether it's a toll free number or a coupon or, or whatever, it's very important that everything that you do in direct marketing pays out. It doesn't have to pay out immediately either. And that's a very interesting concept. And I get into the idea of lifetime value with them. I don't get too deep with it, but I basically say, you know, you don't have to break even or, or make money on the first order. Mm-hmm. And if you if you do customer acquisition with the second order in mind, you're going to be a, have a much better first offer because you won't be a one trick pony. Yeah. And then you're going to bring the second order in and then you've got a business. I mean, one product or one promotion is not a business, but bringing people in the second for, sale. for a ride, yeah. you're going to bring them in for a ride. Yeah. And that, that, that to me is real marketing and real direct marketing. Yeah. And how has this changed? I mean, you, you mentioned at the boardroom, you were doing this for quite some time and the, the media's changed, uh, you know, the tools and technologies have changed. What have you seen? I mean, give us a sense of how direct marketing has evolved over the last, you know, 10, 20 years in terms of the tools that are available to you, the strategies that those allow you to do. I mean, what's kind of the, the phases or the, you know, changes that we've seen over the last 10, 20 years? Yeah. So absolutely. The, in the eighties and nineties, Marketing opportunities were basically finite, if I could use that word. Mm-hmm. And by finite, I mean you had direct mail, you had TV, you had radio, you had package inserts, you had print, but you could name all the media at some point. You'd have yeah, it all. Definitive list. Today, yeah. it's infinite. It's just the marketing opportunities. And you had stuff back then, also, you had billboards and you had all kinds of things. But everything in marketing today, it's like marketing opportunities are now infinite. So that requires, and, and we had we had specialization back in the 80s and 90s also. You know, the direct mail specialist wasn't the broadcast, you know, the TV and radio, the, t- the TV and radio specialists, mm-hmm. but it was absolutely, you had to separate it. But now you've got a Facebook expert, you've got an Instagram expert, you've got a display advertising expert, you've got a search expert, and anybody who tells you they can handle everything for you is either lying or... <laughs> They're not going to do anything well because they'll be too spread out. So now it's like everything's got, you got to go a mile deep, not a mile wide. And in addition, it's changing like every day and it's exciting. I mean, I think it's the most exciting time to be in marketing. And as far as direct marketing goes, which is measurable marketing, direct response marketing is measurable marketing. The internet came along and email came along and it was the ultimate direct response medium. It was not only could you get measurable results at fairly low cost, but you could get them really quickly. 
And that was amazing. I mean, in TV back in the 80s and 90s, you could get your results very quickly. But in direct mail, you had to wait. And you yeah. know, if, you, if you were doing a bill me offer where people didn't pay and they had to pay you over, you know, two or three months, you know, you had to wait six months between mailings. Now you can wait six minutes between, you know, email campaigns. And so, yeah. you know, so so it's basically the number of advertising opportunities, media opportunities are infinite, the speed that you can get results. But that comes with actually, I want to bring up a caveat there that comes with some risks because you can get the results so quickly. But are they statistical significant, mm, statistically yeah. significant results, which we were we were slaves to in the 80s and 90s? You wouldn't you wouldn't change your control package, which is the the winner. You wouldn't change from the winner to something else until you. You had statistically significant results. Yeah. Now, you know, online you're you can test something in 15 minutes and you get 12 orders instead of eight, and you say, Oh, the 12 orders won. And you got to look at a lot of other factors on the price of the product and and you know, all of the other factors that go into an offer. And I think a lot of times online marketers are a little more impatient and they'll call a control too soon or they'll call a control because they're bored with the old control. Yeah. And so those are some of the, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of differences, but the one thing I will tell you though, is that, and this kind of justifies my existence, I think, <laughs> is that I, I believe that the eternal truths of direct marketing that were started in the 1920s and 30s with Claude Hopkins and into the 60s with Gene Schwartz and breakthrough advertising and into the 80s and 90s with regression modeling and all the things that, you know, RFM, which is recency, frequency, monetary value, lifetime value, which I mentioned before, the three-legged stool of marketing, you know, of list, offer, and creative, it's it's all there now. I mean, yeah. it's all- still the truth. You, it's, it's still all true, absolutely. And if you can, I believe my first book was The Advertising Solution, which was a profile of six advertising men who were basically general advertisers, but they were direct marketers trapped in advertising bodies <laughs> because there wasn't much direct marketing yeah. before like 1960. But one of the one of the six we profiled was David Ogilvy. Sure. And Ogilvy saw the future. He really did. He developed a direct marketing arm of Ogilvy and Mather. Mm -hmm. He was looking at results. And even though his clients weren't demanding results, he was demanding it. Yeah. And and people and and you know the copywriters that I profiled in that book, Gary Halbert and Gene sure. Schwartz yeah. were all about measurable response. And then you had Robert Collier, who's the guy who was the father of the sales letter. Yeah. And you look, you read that book, you can't read that book, it's too dense, but our book kind of summarizes it. And it's it's amazing because he was so they really saw the future and they were way before their time. And that became direct marketing later on. So I, I don't talk about the old days in a nostalgic way. That's not what I'm where I'm at. What I do do is, you know, chapter two of my book is of Over Deliver, my new book, which is the um, it's the uh, it's the importance of original source. You know, where do babies come from? Where do you know that eternal truth that can apply to something online today and make you better at it yeah. online today? Or and my chapter three in my book was how paying postage made me a better marketer. And I focus there on the fact that when I was all direct mail all the time mm -hmm. in the 80s and 90s, there was no Internet. So what was that like when you're paying for paper and printing and you had to you have discipline before yeah. you 
It's like the difference of when you hit send, right? Yeah, And exactly. people think when you hit send on an email that, you know, you're done. And no, if you hit send and you get no results or you get bad results, you say, oh, it's only an email. It didn't cost me anything. No, it costs you a lot. It mm-hmm. could cost you audience. It could cost you interest yeah, over reputation, time. Reputation, all that. Reputation, absolutely. So yeah. I'm just a big believer that I guess I'm one of the few people. I'm, I'm 62. So when I was 23... I looked at the guys who were 60, 70, and 80 because they had all the wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know if anybody's looking at me for that, but I will say that I really love teaching 20 and 30-year-olds what I know, which they can use today that is applicable. Yeah. And that gives me a lot of satisfaction. Again, it justifies my existence, but it gives me a lot of it gives me a lot of satisfaction that and I'm one of the few people in their 60s or 70s that has made the transition from offline to online. And now I'm in both, of course. I think physical products still can be used. That direct mail still has a place. But most people who I grew up with in the old school ways are kind of gave up when the internet came along. They thought that it was too complicated. They just wanted to stay in their niche of direct mail. And frankly, you know, I I looked at it the other way. I thought it was the ultimate direct response medium, the internet Mm -hmm. and and email. And so I just went and started learning because I... I either was going to do that or I had to retire. Yeah. So what does a company do? So if I'm a, a service company, like on, on one hand, you've painted this picture where there's so much opportunity and there's so many things you can do and different strategies and different channels. You know, so there's it's just a, a wealth of possibility. You know, on the other hand, you know, it seems daunting and incredibly complicated. And how do I choose? And, you know, the chance that I kind of try to do too many things and spread myself too thin. Like, how do you advise companies or how should a company go about approaching it? If I've got, you know, I'm a couple million in revenue, I'm looking to grow and scale the business, I've got some money to spend, but I don't have infinite money to spend. I need it to be measurable. I need to be able to, you know, turn it into closed deals. What's the process that you advise or, or how do you suggest companies go about kind of looking at the options in front of them, figuring out where to start experimenting, how to run those experiments? What's the process I should use? Yeah, I, I have, I, I don't do a lot of one-on-one consulting, but I've done some. And when I go into a new client, what I do is I assess their assets. And so, and you have to assess their assets in terms of lists. What lists do they have? What lists can they get? Because the list or the audience or your, in my, you know, I call it, sometimes I even call it my online family, because the list that you own or you can get or you can develop is probably the single most important thing you can do. Even if you're a service business. I mean, if you're if you're a restaurant, your list might only be the people within a 10 mile radius of your restaurant, but that's the list you have to go after. Yeah. And so the three-legged stool that I mentioned before of of uh, of of lists offers and creative is basically where it's at. So the first thing, thing as far and I'll talk about that first, then I'll talk about the media choices because yeah. that's a that's a very daunting thing. I, I understand that. But as far as the list offer and creative, there's there was a rule of thumb in, in direct marketing in the when I started, that was the 40-40-20 rule. And it said any direct marketing campaign depends 40% on the list. on the offer and 20% on the creative. So I changed that to the 41, 39, 20 rule. And the 41 was list because I needed folks to know that list was clearly the most important. The other part of that formula that's really interesting is that it says that creative is basically half as important as offer or list. And what I say to that is I say, your creative or your messaging or how you put your your product or service out in the marketplace is the least important element of your marketing campaign 
until it isn't. And what I mean by that is that if you get the best creative that you can get for your product or service, that someone writes you a sales letter or writes a brochure or comes up with a way to sell your business mm -hmm. and it's going to the wrong list, you're going to get zero orders. You're going to get nothing from it. Yeah. Whereas the opposite is true. If you go out to a perfect list of people that are geared to what you do, or at least are prospects for what you do, just about any creative will get some business. The, the key is that you, you take the creative and you, you, develop it once you have the list and the offer in place, and then the creative is the most important thing. And I've seen in my career that every time we went out with a list, we had a list that was really good. The biggest lifts I ever got in my promotions or my in my marketing plans were all about the creative. Mm. It went to a new copywriter, they wrote a new package, mm -hmm. and it went through the roof. Now, as far as media in general, and I'll give you a quick one on this, Perry Marshall, who's a wonderful marketer, he's a really good friend of mine, he developed something that I wish I had developed because it's just brilliant. And it, he calls it Maze 2.0, M-A-Z-E 2.0. And what Maze 2.0 is, it's a, um, he graphs, he has two perpendicular lines. Mm -hmm. And on one axis, it says text on the one end and AV on the other. So it's, it's, it's text or audio visual. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that crisscrosses it is on one end of the axis is live and on the bottom is recorded. Okay. And you can basically take any single of the infinite media that's available and put, you have, now you have four quadrants there yep. and you can put it in any one of those four quadrants. Why is that important? First, you plot everything that's out there or as much as it's out there. That at least gets your mind at ease that you can't do everything because mm -hmm. it's too much. Then what you need to do is based on your product or service, what would be the best things to do? Maybe one thing in each quadrant that would give you an opportunity to test. So, so if mm, it's like, I mean, let's do once. If it's live and it's text, that would be, that could be a webinar, a live webinar. Mm -hmm. Text and recorded could be a replay of a webinar. Okay. You know, so you can put everything in there. I mean, recorded and text could be a sales letter. It could yeah. be a direct mail sales letter. So what you do is you plot everything and then you kind of look at all the choices. And if you could get one in each quadrant, It'll, it, you won't be everywhere, but you could look like you're everywhere. And that's what Perry teaches. And I teach it now too. I, I didn't steal it from him. I told him I'm going to steal it from him because <laughs> with it's permission. such a great Stole, Sold with permission. Yeah. Exactly. With permission. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I do when I go into a client. I assess their assets. So I say, what list do you have? And they sometimes say, I don't have a list. I said, oh, do you have an email file of people that you correspond with? Yes. Can you put them into an email database of some sort, like Infusionsoft or AWeber mm -hmm. or one of those MailChimp or whatever? Yeah. And, you know, so they do have a list. Do you have a Facebook audience? You do have a list. Do you have an Instagram audience? You do have a list. So there are lists that are not, you know, they're not all in one place, but you can develop a list. Then I say, what kind of content do you have? Guys owns a restaurant. I don't have any content. Well, have you ever written anything about food? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever written anything about your work? Because if you have content, that gives you an opportunity to blog, for example. Look, I had a client once, he was he was a used car salesman, and he had a used car lot, and he would send out a postcard once a week. 
So he was doing direct mail mm-hmm. to, to everybody in a 20 mile radius of his lot. And he would basically on the postcard say what new cars came into the lot that week. I said, oh, that's interesting. And he said, what can I do to market better? What can I do to be, you know, to be more aggressive or more targeted? I said, well, what you're doing isn't targeted. I mean, how many times a year am I going to buy a used car? And by you telling me what's in your lot, if I'm not in the market for a used car, I mean, it's an episodic event. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you instead go out with content, you know, and and so you go out with a something like five tips when you can spot a lemon on the lot or something like that. Yeah. And you send that out and you make them opt in to an email list and you also will have their their mailing address. And so I don't want to go too granular here, but the point was that you become not just a used car salesman, but believe it or not, you could become a trusted advisor in used cars, which is kind of an oxymoron, but you become a a trusted advisor and then they will get your blog. You do a little blog once a week on the five things when you know the used car salesman is trying to rip you off or how to test the upholstery that it's not too worn or something like that. One tip, a tip a week. And then you put your inventory at the bottom of that. And don't you think that when they're ready to be in the market for a used car, they would come to you first because you'd be top of mind? That's the kind of concept that I teach to service businesses, businesses that are, you know, in person, and especially if it's an episodic purchase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you get that offer right? Because I think I see a lot of this, you know, people creating good content, and they're pushing it out, and it's valuable, and it's, you know, well written. And but then how do you turn that into the the offer, the trigger that gets them to if they are now moving into kind of buying mode, what defines a good offer? Or what's a strategy for developing good offers around that above beyond just kind of creating valuable content? Yeah, so there's a bunch of there's a lot of ways to do it. I mean, I've been called by a lot of my friends in the industry as, as the director of sales prevention, <laughs> which is uh, kind of a, a fun name. But what it means, though, and I, I wear that like a badge of honor because mm-hmm. I'm not trying. I, again, I'm fishing without bait, so I'm patient. I'm selling high price products mostly, mm-hmm. so I'm not looking to go for the sale right away. But I do a lot of. In fact, I'm going to teach on this to a copywriting group in a few weeks. And I'm going to go to my, if you go to my blogs, you look at my blogs and like, I'll mention things like, first, I'll give you one. So I basically start the blog with, I had an amazing Titans Mastermind event last week where I brought together blah, 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 blah. Titans Mastermind is hyperlinked. So if they really wanted to know what Titans Mastermind was, they could link on it and go to see that it's this amazing group. But then I talk about everything that happened at that meeting, like all the, like a summary of these experts that came in and presented on these amazing topics. And then in the PS, I would say something like, you know, Titans Mastermind is an amazing group. It's by invitation and interview only. If you think you'd like to interview, you know, fill out the form here and I give them a a click to that. And then in the PPS, I might say, if you're not ready for Titans Mastermind, but you want to join Titans Accelerator, which is my virtual mastermind, no live events, but we have you know, and it's a lot less expensive and it's all, you know, I still get good guests and we give you content and all of that, you know, sign up here. That would be the way I sell. So bulk of my email, and I do mostly through email, the bulk of my email is content, it's content driven, but there are a lot of subtle ways that I sell. Then sometimes, you know, I'll just put a PS and say, if you don't have a copy of Breakthrough Advertising, why? You know, why haven't you bought this classic book? Mm-hmm. And then I'll do some, but it's it's basically straightforward for me because it's it's like, I feel like selling for me is not, even though I've been dubbed the director of sales prevention, I'm not trying to prevent sales. I'm just trying to, basically my, my attitude is, I don't have to give you all kinds of hooks 
and all kinds of beautiful offers because I've been I've been shining a spotlight over the lake for a long time. Yeah. And you know where I am. You know I'll help you if you want me to help you. And you'll jump in the boat when you're ready. Yeah. And that's my strategy. Yeah. So just really qualified leads. You're just making sure that they're super exactly. qualified. Yeah. Well, I think the way the list is built is qualified. So like I, I build my list mostly through podcasts, like I will today. Mm-hmm. If people want to be on my list, they can be on my list. They never have to buy, but if they if they they'll get some opportunities to buy, but they won't be they won't be getting deals and they won't be getting anything else. That's like my strategy. You have strategies of launches, for example. Product launch formula, when Jeff Walker yeah. invented that, it was an amazing thing. And I'm in, his, I'm in his mastermind group and I don't really do product launches like that, but the product launch formula is brilliant. Basically, you give away, you have a pre-launch video uh, one, which is all content, pre-launch video two, which is all content, pre-launch video three, which is all content, maybe a webinar, which is all content, and then they open the cart for the offer. If you don't buy the offer, you got a lot of value already. Yeah. And that's a great way to sell. And it's it's that's why I always say when I go into a client, what kind of content do you have? What how can we build on what you've done in the past to to give and I always when I say to them, Can you give away your best content? Mm-hmm. And I often get, Well, if I give away my best content, what am I gonna sell? <laughs> and I say to them, Oh, you don't you have more best content? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's all ways to do it now. And some people have a big list and they take affiliates that are related to their product. Be careful. You, you don't want to do stuff that's not n- not in sync at mm-hmm. all. You want to be able to endorse it. But anything you'd, be, you'd endorse, you'd want to as an affiliate. What I do is I do I don't do affiliates, but I do endorse other people's offers and I, I never take a commission. If I get a commission, I, I give it to charity and I let my list know that. But that's just me. I yeah. mean, that's not, you don't have to do that. You can make a lot of money if you've developed your list the right way. Yeah. As you said, with qualified prospects, you can use that list to sell a ton of other products. Yeah. Interesting. Brian, that's been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Titan, what's the best way to get that information? Basically two ways. If they're up for spending $17, which I'm not telling you to do, but it would be well worth your while to go to www.overdeliverbook.com, O-V-E-R-D-E-L-I-V-E-R book.com. And on that site, you get there and you regular book site, but you go off that site to buy the book, you come back and what you get for a $17 book are thousands of dollars worth of bonuses and all kinds of direct marketing resources that anybody would love if you're in marketing at all and you don't fear marketing and you know that marketing isn't everything and it's the only thing. And you'll get stuff from Jay Abraham and Gary Bensavenga and Dan Kennedy and all the greats of marketing. And I, I'm friends with all of them and I got them to uh, participate in giving me great uh, resources from all of them. So that's if you want to spend dollars. If you're too cheap and you don't want to spend any money, which is fine, you can go to my website, which is briankurtz.net, www.briankurtz.net, B-R-I-A-N-K-U-R-T-Z. And there you can, there's a lot of free content there. All of my past blogs from the last five years are there. You can look at my mastermind groups. You don't have to do anything with them. It's kind of like a free content site with a lot of blogs. And I think it's, I just redid it. It's not extravagant. It's kind of modest, but it's, uh, it's what I got. And it's a great way to get on my list. And as I said, you know how I blog now. So I blog every Sunday. I never send an all sales blog on Sunday. So I think you can appreciate it. Excellent. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes here. Brian, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for taking some time today. I always love talking about marketing and marketing strategy. I think it's one of the hardest parts of service-based businesses is kind of growing that sales side in a consistent, systematic, 
perfect way, way. So I really appreciate you taking some time with us. Yeah, I mean, your questions were so good that I went off on tangents, but I, I hope it was clear and I hope I didn't talk too much. No, it's great. I had a lot of great discussion, a lot of great value. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.